0: Alright, DT systems, baby. Dog tested and dog tough. We've got those soft mouth dummies. Now listen, everybody knows that we need more bumpers. I'm not talking about one or two or three. I'm talking about adding bumpers to your repertoire. I like using white or black and white bumpers when I'm training my dogs for marks and even blinds. You can get the orange ones, I dig it, but add a bunch to your repertoire. And I'm again, I'm not talking about three to six. If you're working on T pattern if you're working on blinds and pattern blinds you need a bunch a dozen 18 the soft mouth dummies by dt can't be beat check them out lone duckoutfitters.com dt difference let's go Hashtag man's best kennel, baby. That's gunner kennels. Man, let's talk about these crates because when it hits the fan, you want your dog protected. It's an investment emotionally and financially to keep your hunting buddy safe. If you'd like to get into a gunner kennel, slide into the DMs and we'll hook you up. But do your best friend a favor and keep them safe this duck season. All right, our number one asked question is revolving around horse fetch. Whether your dog drops the bumper or duck at the edge of the water, or you failed a few hunt tests because the dog monkeys with the birds or won't pick up a bird, let me help you help your dog. Bunch of different breeds, bunch of different personalities start to finish teaching you how to do it. Links in the description. What's going on, everybody? And welcome to another episode of Lone Ducks Gun Dog Chronicles. This is episode 55, baby. Five, five. Crazy amount of episodes we've had so far. Thanks for tuning in. First up, let's get a quick word from our sponsors. Yukonuba, baby. The food that fuels our dogs. And now, speaking of fueled, last week we had Dr. Joe Spoo. He is the host of Yukonuba's podcast called Fueled. Would you believe that? And we covered everything from joint supplements. Are they snake oil? Um, hip dysplasia. Um, spay and neuter dogs. dew claw removals. All sorts of hot topics in our industry. So check out Dr. Spoo's podcast called Fueled. Sponsored by Yukonuba, baby. Also, big thank you to Gunner Kennels. Man's best kennel. These guys understand and believe in the unspoken bond, just like us. They've got the best kennel on the market. And if you're interested in learning more, reach out to Kevin or myself, Instagram, at Lone Duck, baby. There's no baby there. It's just at Lone Duck. But, you know, I like to add that baby in, right? Next up is Waypoint Outdoor Collective. These guys are the this is the company that hosts our podcast okay they also have a lot of other great outdoor related podcasts and social influencers so if you want to check them out instagram waypoint outdoor collective all right kevin let's get into the show bud it's good to talk with you this has been a while since just me and you have hung out huh
1: i know it's been great actually um but how's uh, how's the south treating you You eating any boiled peanuts lately
0: (laughs) uh no i haven't had any boiled penis good that's great uh,
1: but you got a couple prego or maybe prego dogs how's that going
0: yeah so ember is due any day now uh we're really excited about that there's a friend of mine who is whelping the litter and it should be you know god willing everything's gonna be happy and healthy puppies and mom Cruz we're taking tomorrow for an ultrasound really so we're gonna Yep. So we're gonna confirm that pregnancy, and she was bred to a dog named Bowie, who is a very good-looking, handsome, uh, hard-working dog. Um,
1: He's a big, blocky-looking man. He's a good dog.
0: Yeah, he is a good dog. He's picked up over 5,000 birds in his career. He's got a senior title. He's clear on all his health uh, certs. And what I'm trying to, you know, constantly do is create the best labrador retriever for people in the house and the field. So I think he's more medium drive. I mean he's got enough drive. He's loves to do the work. Oh yeah. But he's not as I guess you would say out of control if you will. So I think he's going to help cool off a little bit of cruise and bring these puppies in that happy medium where on-off switch and good looks and everything. So I'm really excited about this litter and is she she like
1: looking pregnant
0: she is to me i mean i'm noticing a difference so i'm not going to be surprised that she'll be pregnant but there are things called false pregnancies and a female who had been bred and it didn't take could sometimes show signs that she is pregnant when in fact it didn't take it's kind of like a weird hormone trick that they can play on themselves so really uh we're gonna go tomorrow and get that checked out so next week we should have a little update on her and then we'll have also an estimated date on her due date i'd have to go back and look at the calendar and whatnot so that's really exciting stuff um the southern trip truthfully man has been a, a very stressful ride for me so you know a lot of good things but also a lot of lack of sleep stress with the dogs um so the first run was was shot show so we drove all the way here And we got all of our stuff set up, and then I got my buddy, Zach, who worked for me last winter and some part of the summer, and he's down here at school, so got him set up with the dogs, let him work them while I was gone at SHOT Show. So SHOT Show was super fun, great networking, great connections, got to meet some old friends, new friends, and it was what everybody dreams of. If you've never been to SHOT Show, it is a spectacle. There's everybody from every part of our country in our industry there showing off their new things for 2020, um, product designs, and it's just unbelievable. So, Yukanuba brought myself and a bunch of other guys to Shot Show to speak on behalf of their company as far as a trainer and someone who's got 20 something dogs that eat their food. Um, It was unbelievable. But then it was just like, you're up late doing your shot show thing, up early, being at the show, talking to people, fly back, and immediately the next day, 5 a.m., the alarm clock goes off and you're working dogs again. And then I don't know if everybody had heard, but one of our dogs, her name is Kenai, we trained her all year last year. She went home and hunted, and now she's back to finish her master title. She got sick, and we could not figure out what was wrong with her. It was about a week and a half of in and out of vet offices and going to specialists and then ultimately getting sent to University of Georgia, where she stayed for about five days, I think.
1: Really? It was that long?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So I stayed with Blaine, the pterodactyl Taranecki, and he and I trained while she was at UGA, And we ran a bunch of biopsies. We sent out blood work. And basically what was going on, everyone, is her eyeballs were, in essence, popping out of her head. And the eyeballs were fine. It was the muscles around and behind the eye. And then those third eyelids that protect the eye from scratches, those were super inflamed. And she was visibly in pain struggling to eat, couldn't open her mouth, and her eyes were just swollen shut, like two golf balls, and, and I mean, we couldn't – nobody could figure it out. It was – I mean, I barely slept. I, I, it, It sucked. So long story short, to give everybody the diagnosis, is there were a few different things we were looking at. Autoimmune disease, fungal infections, bacterial infections, tumors, Um, an abscess from let's say the dog's playing with a stick the stick jabs in her mouth and maybe there's a shard of tree branch lodged in her in her mouth okay it would get infected it wouldn't come out on its own and all of a sudden an abscess is formed and now that abscess is putting pressure on the eyeballs so we were hoping for all these little things compared to a tumor an autoimmune disease right Uh, right so first thing mri there's no abscess there's no tumor so i mean good good on no tumor but bad on the abscess would have been an easy fix so now it's like we don't know what the deal is like okay uh we want to run some more tests okay go for it so they kept her a few more days to get some things under control try some new medicine and the new medicine kicked in and like she's back to normal so they sent her home with me a week and change later we get the diagnosis and the diagnosis is drumroll please nothing's wrong with her
1: literally nothing
0: so riddle me that we
1: have no idea so we have no idea problem. if it's like a genetic thing
0: No, no, it's not. We ruled out everything. And so basically, there's some scientific veterinarian word where when, like, there's no cause and effect. It just happened, and there's no cause. There's no understanding of the cause. It just inflammation happened, and then inflammation created more inflammation, and then it was uncomfortable and created more inflammation, and all of a sudden, you have spiraled into this super-inflamed area, and it almost, like, how I equate it to people is, like, if I rolled my ankle in a sports game and then stayed walking on it and went on a hike and then played in a game the next day, your ankle is going to be the size of a grapefruit and isn't going to get better. You need to elevate it and ice it and blah, 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 okay. and take anti-inflammatories. So, long story short, there was no, like, you can't just rest your eyeballs, so it just continuously stayed inflamed and then got worse and worse and worse and so they put her on a steroid and an anti-inflammatory antibiotic situation and i mean she's mint she acts normal she looks normal you would never know anything's wrong with her so we're very thankful but i can promise you all this has been one of the most stressful road trips um i've had to deal with but that's a part of life. It's a part of being a dog trainer. It's a part of being a dog owner. It's a part of, you know, if you owned your own accounting firm, you know, your software goes down, you're in a shitstorm. storm, you know, it's a part of life. So we dealt with it and we're dealing with it and we're working really hard with all the dogs and we're seeing good progress. I mean, I've got a nice crew of animals that work hard, love to retrieve.
1: So, wow. it's... well, uh... Well, that's rough. I'm glad that kind of you know things are getting back on track and better and that there wasn't anything seriously – well, I guess there was something seriously wrong with Kenai, but she's fixed and we're good to go and it's not a genetic thing where it's going to be a recurring issue throughout her life and potential puppy problems or anything like that. But um, Yeah. I mean, yeah, we're really thankful. Yeah. But tell me about, on a happier note, um, following along on some of the Instagram posts you've put up and some of the training that you've done, you have some – Good-looking puppies on on your uh, trailer there. Tell me about some of the dogs you got going now. Oh, uh, not him. so much puppies, I guess, but you know, dogs. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm not sure where you're going with it. Eh, um, interchangeably,
0: I guess so. And incorrectly, it's all right. I wasn't gonna hammer you on it.
1: Eh.
0: First time for everything.
1: Sure. We only, um, we only do a dog podcast.
0: Yeah, that's right. So, uh, you know, we've got Memphis May, who, if you've listened to this podcast over the course of the year, May's one of my favorite dogs to train. Um, She, after last winter's trip, got her senior title, and she went home and had all summer off, all duck season off, and she's back to work towards Master Hunter, Master National. And if anybody can take that kind of time off and come back swinging, it's May. And there are little things that she's doing wrong um but man does that dog love to work and is is going to be special for sure she always has been but like we're we're knocking on that door pretty quickly yeah i mean the only thing that i'm i'm not ready to put her in a master test yet is we're we're still building concepts sure and, and technical things to build her repertoire on her blinds Sometimes she thinks she knows where she's going. And so I'll give one cast and she'll be like, oh, yeah, that's cool. I'm going this way. Um, but we're working through that. And then I really want to maintain her line manners because she's such a high drive dog and super intense that I think if I threw her into some master test to, like, see how it goes, yeah. uh, we're going to create bad habits in a test environment. And our long game is master national. So, let's take three, four months, hone all those things, make them nice and tight, bang out qualifying, and then have two months to tighten back down and go to Master National and get her a plate.
1: Yeah. Um, Can I ask what – so you had mentioned, and you're on a roll, so I don't want to stop you, but you you had mentioned, like, there are different technical things in building concepts that you're working on that uh, are maybe just a little bit more advanced than – some of the regular gun dogs that you have come in that just do like your regular four month, how to be a gun dog sort of program. But what are you doing that is unique? And then like, maybe what are some things that you see out of her that indicate like, man, that's a nice dog. Does that make sense?
0: Mm hmm. Um, some of the things we're working on is moving with me. So, what I mean by that is if there are marks that go down and I need to know her off those marks and run a blind, she does not want to take her eyes off those marks and move with me. So we have been doing different drills to build that. One of them is called wagon wheel. Um, I guess Google it, because it'll take a while for me to go over. Maybe we can go over it in the future.
1: No, we've done um, Wagon Wheel a bunch in different podcast episodes. So if you haven't heard it, go back and listen to all of our shows, subscribe, give us a review, and uh, then, then jump back right here.
0: Um, <laughs> so we've been doing Wagon Wheel. We've been doing these – it's called Key Relationship Drill, which is – you know, developing a pattern blind and then adding marks to it and then knowing them off the marks and running the blind. We've also just been doing it. So like throw a mark, run a blind, throw a mark, run a different blind, throw a mark, run a blind, and then go, you know, go pick. So, sorry, throw a mark, run a blind, go pick that mark up. Throw another mark, run a different blind, then go pick that mark up. And then just making her do it and through patience and stuff. Another thing we've been doing is, over the last few days is just honoring drills and everybody that is above basics is doing these they're on a dog stand they're sitting next to me they're watching you know dozens of birds go down and they're just sitting still and i think that's really helped everybody's patience because they don't know which one they're getting sent on they've all calmed right down yeah take a little little bit out of the old british lab methodology of of it and it's definitely a nice drill to remember to do. So, I don't know, man. Those are some of the things to, oh, you know, keyholes, angle entries, d cheating yeah. She got back, and she's a little bit cheaty on water again. So, Can you right explain now, what that
1: is in case anyone doesn't know?
0: Cheating is when you throw a mark, and the dog is going to, instead of taking the correct line, which is going through the water, they're going to run the bank. Cheat the bank. So instead so, of going
1: from point A to point B in a straight line, they go point A to point B in the straight line and then come back with no. C. No. Well, you're, you're kind of killing me, Smalls. So Kill me. So then then explain it a little bit. Because just saying, you know, running the bank, like, I guess, it, it's, I don't know, man. Like, it's, it's an audio thing. So, like, help me visualize so that people understand what you mean by like cheating a bank.
0: All right. So I throw, there's a bird that gets thrown on the other side of a pond. The correct line would be to leave my side and go through the water and pick that bird up on the other bank and turn around and come back through the water to me. Okay. And, and you're taking slivers of water, little pieces of water, not like, you know, a big round pond and you're trying to swim through this round pond. You're trying to cut a little moon shaped, tiny little sliver, of water and they've got to hold their line and hit the water and hold their line coming back instead of running the bank. Okay. Yep. So if the dog cheats, they're going to choose to take the easiest route, which is land and go and get the bird and turn around and run back on land. That's cheating. So D cheating drills would be, you know, throw that Mark, see what kind of decision they make. And either they're a good dog and go in the water or they're a bad dog and they go on land. And we covered a little bit of this in our Lyle Steinman podcast, but basically I'm either no hearing them all the way back to me. I'm no hearing them to a decision point where they decided to be bad and not like casting them into the water. Um, I'll make a correction on the collar, a verbal correction, like no, hear, tweet, sit, back and get your butt in the water. And so she's been doing very well at it, but she'll also overcorrect and sometimes take too much water and, like, go out to sea instead of gotcha holding the line. So these are, like, fine-tuning. This is not your basic hunting dog. This is, like, some next-level stuff, and it doesn't take two weeks to get it done. It's like Memphis works on these, and she's five years old. I mean, we're working on this all the time with all the dogs and so it's just a refresher course for her, and hold her to a standard. So when we come to a test, and there you have to just go through a piece of water and don't cheat it. It's going to be right in her brain. Get in the water.
1: Yeah. So what? So that's you know maybe with Maymay and and Memphis and some of the other dogs. But like, what are you doing? Um, th- tell me about some of the other dogs you got in your truck.
0: Uh, so we've got Brew, Lincoln, and Hunter, and those three guys are in my transition. And that, that would mean they're not in the basic program anymore. They're learning multiple marks. They're honoring, and they're going through T-pattern and handling drills. Um, the honoring portion is they're doing okay. We've been really busting butt to get that better. And, again, the last two days with these certain drills I've been working, I'm seeing a major improvement. Um, Hunter and Lincoln have a little bit of a focalization problem, Um, and it's not really on the line waiting for marks. It's usually when they're being sent, they'll do like a little, yep. And so I've been trying to fix that as well. Uh, and I, again, I think there's a few things that I've been doing. I'm super strict with them. There's not a lot of fun in their day. It's very much come off the truck, sit, heel, place, heel, sit, get your bird. Um, versus usually I let the dog off the truck, they run around, they have a blast, and then we get to, to work. Yeah. And I think they're going from zero to a hundred, and then I'm asking them to calm down at the line, and it's just they can't. So I'm taking a lot of the fun away, if you will, and it kind of sucks to be them, but I'm not being hard on It's It's like I don't have to be hard on them, I'm just being super strict and consistent. Sure. Um, And then this honoring drill, I think the fact that a, I've gotten on them for cheat or not cheating for breaking it as well as they don't know when it's their turn. So they can't build up and build up and build up They Just start sitting there more patient has really helped the vocalization. And in fact, the last two days I've had no issues. So we're going to practice, we're going to practice that a lot more where we're just throwing a wrench in their normal routine and seeing if that breaks the habit. Um, It's something I've, never really tried before with a vocal dog so it's i'm uncharted territory but i got to do something to fix it and then with t pattern all three of those dogs are progressing super smoothly like nice best dogs i've ever done on t pattern they're really picking it up and you know i think they're going to be running good pattern blinds good white gold blinds in the next couple weeks
1: that's awesome. When, when you're doing honoring drills and stuff like that, are they just sitting on the ground, or do you have them uh, at place on uh, on a Momar or anything like that? Either. Either is how I've
0: been doing it. So it's pretty cool. And then i got a pile of young dogs. Um, you know, I guess I don't need to list off all eight of them, but they're all going through steadiness, force fetch. They're all collar conditioned. They're all, for the most part, doing really well with force fetch um
1: don't you have a boykin on your truck now too
0: actually i've got two of them so i've got a dog named scout who's in the young dog program um he's a nice little dog he's got a lot of drive and desire he likes picking up birds he's fairly steady already a little bit of a power struggle when it comes to force work so like collar conditioning was a challenge and then after two or three days man he's got it And now we're into forest fetch ear pinch and you can kind of see that little bit of stubbornness that I saw in collar conditioning, you know, appear here. But again, he's very smart and he likes to do the work. So I think he's going to be just fine. And then the other one is a dog named Cody who belaying the pterodactyl Taranecki trained. And it's a good friend of both of ours. His name's Paul and Paul's here in Charleston and he just, she's six years old she runs blinds and picks up multiple marks and he's like hey man would it be all right if we just brushed her up on everything after hunting season and just let her come have fun i'm like yeah man so she's a really cool dog um i see a major improvement in her like he hunts quail with her a lot and wood duck ponds so wood duck ponds you're shooting wood ducks anywhere between 10 yards and 40 yard marks you know and quail hunting she's running in and flushing and then chasing 40-yard, you know, marks, Mm -hmm. so when I stretched her out, she would pop, and kind of lack confidence on some big, long stuff again, even though I know that she was trained to do it, and she knows it, it just was a few years ago, and is a little rusty, and over the last month, I mean, she's hammering long marks, and her blinds have really improved, and just a cool, happy little dog, so those are the two boykins I've got on the truck. Finn, the poodle pointer, my buddy Steve McGee from New York owns, and he's doing really well. He's being a jerk with force Factor this week, so I hope I hope McGee hears that because his dog's giving me a run for my money. Yeah, well, he'll be pumped to hear
1: that then, I guess.
0: <laughs> yeah, no doubt.
1: Um, so we had uh, we had a few good questions come out over Instagram. If you want to maybe jump into some of those, I think that would be uh fine transition from how the dog's doing in your typical setups this week
0: sure let's roll
1: yeah man so we had uh, C smart send in a good question uh, looking for some advice on how to set up a senior level training scenario for his dog um, you know you talked a little bit about like testing the dogs and creating opportunities for them to you know, possibly make mistakes and, and allow for corrections but what sort of things would you set up uh, if you were in
0: Yeah, that's really cool. So there's a couple things to think about. One, it's like playing sports. You want to practice above the level you're going to play at so that when you get to the game, you're better, right? Or, you know, study harder than the test would be because then you'll ace the test where if you barely study, you know, that that was more my speed, but... (laughs) I was going to say
1: that seems like you don't really know what you're talking about with that because I don't think you ever did that.
0: I don't know if I saw the inside of the library at college, but.
1: You can imagine what they look like. Yeah, it's probably had some books in it. Probably.
0: So, anyways, we want to make sure that our dog's ultra prepared for what the test is going to be like. So, again, practice up, and then when you get to the test, it's going to be underwhelming. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I'm following. So, in a senior test, you've got an honor. You've got a walk-up. And a walk up is where you've got your dog. You come out of the holding blind off leash at heel and you walk to the line. And at some point, a judge is going to wave to a gun station and bang, a bird's going to come out. So your dog's not sitting still at your side. He's at heel moving. And you've got to tell the dog sit or blow your whistle. And they've got to sit and be steady for that walk up. And then here comes another bird. And they've got to mark both of those birds and go and get them both. So practice your walk up. Practice your honoring, practice doubles, practice, and then you got to run a blind. Um, So you really want to practice marks that are a little bit further than normal, and same with blinds. Um, You know, cheating, being de cheated is a huge benefit, um, but you're not necessarily going to get thrown out of a senior test if your dog cheats the bank on the way back. they're a little bit more lenient it kind of depends on the judge you know so i like to have my dogs de-cheated before we go to a senior test and i like to have them handling on water really nicely so that you know nothing is going to stump us you can handle once during a senior test either on land or on water during a marking during the marks so as an example we do the land series clean dog picks up both marks clean Runs the blind, you're good. You can handle the dog as many times as you want on the blind. As long as they do what you ask them, you're good. Then you go to water and you know it picks up the first bird and it doesn't really remember the second bird. You can now handle that dog. If you had handled on a mark in the first series, now you go to water, you gotta be clean. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, no, I'm fouling. So when you say handled once, you don't necessarily mean like you know, not on a blind. You hey, mean it on marks. You're I'm sorry, yes it isn't like, okay, you can only use one command and one over and that's it throughout the whole thing. It's like one time through.
0: Exactly. And you have to handle them. You have to handle them to the bird. So you can't like get them to an area and have them hunted up. You got to handle them to the bird. Um, And so, again, you know, for setups, I don't do a ton of multiple marks. Most of our setups are singles and teaching concepts. Teaching concepts would be challenging cover and going through different pieces of cover. So, today we are going through grass to cut corn, back to grass, over a road, through grass, and then into corn again. So, every time they hit a new patch of cover, it's usually like a little barrier or a wall there, and they'll break down and like hunt early or, you know, just not push all the way through. So, we've got to teach them that. No matter what cover there is, just keep going to the fall area and hunt the fall area. So, I'll make sure your dog's doing well in different cover and different changes in cover. Keyholes. Um, a keyhole would be like a hedgerow on the left hand side and a hedgerow on the right hand side. And there's like open field in the middle, right? And that keyhole would be pushing the dog through that open area. Right. And most dogs are going to either bang left or bang right once they get through that keyhole. And we want to teach them to keep driving straight through. So that would be a concept to teach them. You're not really going to see these things at a senior test uh, usually, but if you're trying to create a better dog than just the senior test, this would be ideas. Um, Man, I think the big thing that I see most people fail at is having an out-of-control dog. So, a dog doesn't sit on the whistle good, doesn't cast with them and move with them um, on blinds or if they've got a handle on a mark. Obedience, they'll be a jerk walking to the line or in the holding blind and just be completely out of control and they'll break. So, breaking and being, you know, so making sure your dog's super, super steady. Um, Oh, they also do live flyers. So, you're going to have a live duck shot. And if your dog's never picked up a live duck, that would be something I would, you know, work on. So those are the things, man. I I think there's a lot more to it, but you could also, in the meantime, go to some senior tests in your area, watch one and,
1: and check it out. See what you're going to be up against. Yeah. I mean, that's a good point. Um, kind of like pass a sniff test. Like, do I think my dog could do that? Yes or no. Um, right. I feel like one thing that, I've seen sitting at different tests and stuff is honoring is just not something that a lot of dogs are good with, but it sounds like you've kind of been working pretty hard with some of like Lincoln and brew uh and hunter and and all the dogs really, but that's something that I know we've run into a few times with different dogs um and is a huge difference between junior and senior, yeah, absolutely um so yeah maybe if uh we're giving this guy some advice like go and train with other people and make your dog be patient
0: yeah yep absolutely man i think it's uh one of the hardest things for the amateur to train for is honoring other dogs because most guys do it themselves and don't have someone there they can honor with but find a training group find a retriever club find a local pro and go train
1: get to work uh, we had another really good question from J.H. Berg. Uh, he's got a one-year-old lab, and he's been doing some pretty consistent training with the dog uh, in terms of obedience. And if he's in his garage, for example, and has a dog on a lead, it's flawless. But as soon as he you know, goes outside, goes in a field, goes hunting, takes the dog off lead, and is introduced to some distractions dog goes bananas what do you think you uh what do you think he's got to do
0: uh i think the question answers itself (laughs) and what i mean by that is if your dog struggles in other areas like other locations go to other locations and and practice right so if it's good in the yard and in the garage but in other instances it's not have all the tools in the tool belt there your e-collar your lead and work that dog through distractions so for an example if i send an obedience dog home i go to my local park where there's bicyclists runners rollerbladers other dogs on leash And I'm going to walk them at heel and practice my obedience amongst all those distractions because that's what it's going to deal with when it goes home. And so if you don't do that, then when you get to those new locations, all your obedience goes out the window, all your control goes out the window, and the distractions are going to trump the work that you put in in your non-distracting garage. Yeah. So I would not trust like, it's one of those things like you ran before you crawled, um, you know, make sure that you've built a system and a knowledge and a foundation with this dog first, which it sounds like he did in the garage and in the yard. Now take that foundation on leash and with an e-collar to a little bit more, a, another new place and then another new place and another new place and then try off leash and then another location off leash. And then that knowledge that you've given the dog is going to be able to go anywhere and accomplish anything because you've tested it and practiced a bunch in distracting scenarios. So
1: that's my two cents. Sure. Um, This is a good one, uh, especially because you're a lab guy. Uh, John McLeod was wondering if there's a difference in what you've seen in terms of golden retrievers and Labrador retrievers, uh, and kind of like one versus the other in terms of training, bit ability, uh, like in the house, out hunting their drive, like, what do you think the difference is?
0: Yeah. So it's a good question. So I do think in general there, like I'm going to speak in general terms, right? So I think no matter what you want to purchase a dog who has the pedigree, That is going to match what you're looking for. If you want a great hunting dog, that's a family member, then you're going to, I would err on the side of get a dog with a a hunting pedigree, right? We've talked about in the past, if you want a family member and you're going to occasionally hunt, you know, or you just want a family member, then it probably doesn't really matter pedigree or anything like that. I would still urge you to find health certificates and things, but you know, if you want to hunt with this dog, err on the side of, get a dog who's bred to do the work. Um, So now that we've kind of covered that, both Lab, Golden Chessie, Toler, uh, Flat Coat, Curly Coat, you name the retrieving breed, and it really goes for any breed, um, now there are some general differences. I do tend to find that Golden Retrievers are more lovey-dovey, lean up against you you know, nudge your hand when you stop petting them and they just want more affection. That doesn't mean that a Labrador isn't going to do that. It just, again, I'm speaking in general terms. So um, I've found that a lot of golden retrievers tend to be on the more soft side. So you have to be more cautious and thoughtful of your corrections. Make sure that dog fully understands what you're asking of it before you correct them. Um, A lot of them have good drive. A lot of them love the water. Some of them who aren't as bred for the task at hand have a little bit of water issue. So, again, pedigree is key. Look at it. There's tons of great golden retrievers out there that would rather swim than, you know, run on land. So these are generalizations. But if you go and pick one out of the newspaper, you might not get lucky. Um, Labradors. I mean, they're the American, you know, number one dog in America. They're well-rounded, generally speaking, great with kids, other dogs. Golden Retrievers, great with kids, great with other dogs, generally, um, on both ends. And, you know, a little bit less hair. I would say Golden Retrievers, you got a lot more grooming to do after a duck hunt or a training day compared to a lab. Um, And a lab... uh, in general is going to bounce back from maybe mistakes that you make. So let's say you're overly harsh on a correction or, you know, I don't know, you name a scenario, the the lab, a lot of labs bounce back quicker. Um, And that's kind of similar to a Chessie. A Chessie sometimes will get their feelings hurt and it'll take two or three days for them to like work that funk out. And I also find that like there used to be an old adage, something to the effect of you ask a golden you tell a Labrador and you hit a Chessie with a two by four, meaning like you got to make them do it. And it was like, that was what people thought and knew. You just grind it into a Chessie. I think it's the complete opposite. I think you have to coach a Chesapeake through convince them that things are right and okay. And that it's their idea and both of your ideas that this is the right way to do it. And they, they, are willing to work and please and are happy to do it. Um, A lot of the ones I've worked with did not take physical or E-collar pressure well. You had to be very, very careful with it. Um, And same with any dog. I mean, I could pull a Labrador off my trailer right now and tell you that one, you need to be very careful with the collar. So, you know, these are all general terms. I think if you find the right pedigree, with all the health clearances and, and parents and grandparents who loves to hunt, either any breed is going to do, do well. So I probably rambled on that one a little bit, but I think it's hard to give a one or the other when it's, it's very general. He could get a golden retriever that likes to lay by itself and never get pet. I, I don't know.
1: Yeah. No, it's I'm, just rare. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Um, we had another good one from G Visser, who I think has uh, sent in a few questions before. So thanks for uh, following along. Yeah, um,
0: his his sister is actually one of the vets that helped Kenai, so small world.
1: Really? Oh well, thank you very much. Then that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was saying he's got a dog, and he and he said his dog's a chronic leaner, um, and then he went on to explain that a little bit, but says that the dog, it, like, when at the line. The dog doesn't necessarily creep, meaning like inch forward and, and kind of start running or, you know, trotting along uh, toward the mark, but his butt does kind of hover over the ground a couple inches, and his chest kind of sinks toward the ground like he's just ready to go. Uh, but it's not like a clean, patient sit. Mm-hmm. What do you think?
0: Um, Safe used to do this, and... It was like crouching tiger, hidden dragon. She just would hunker down, like ready to explode. And the way I fixed it is I ran a steady tab, like a little six, eight inch lead from her e-collar. And I would either, there's a couple things you can do. One, you can just hang on to that lead nice and snug up. So like the mark goes off and they're just like kind of choked a little bit up so they can't hunker down and then you relax the lead and they stay standing tall or you can let them hunker down, yank them up, tell them sit or somewhere in between. And I think some dogs will thrash their head. Some dogs will stand up. You got to work through the kink. But I think having a steady tab on that dog burst, he said his dog didn't mind a healing stick. Yeah, like I'd even maybe give like a low, you could give like a low continuous e-collar pressure, like real low and, and verbally sit while you're lifting up on the, the steady tab. Um, it, it's There's no one way to fix it, I would say, but I would first try hanging on to a steady tab, yank him up, hang him up, and then relax that lead and then say his name. Um,
1: Try that. Nice. So follow up and, uh, and let us know how that goes. Um, please. That'd be awesome. We had another good question, uh, which I think aligns well with kind of some of the things we've talked about already today, but, uh, red storm 2012 said he's got two dogs aged four and two and wants to work on steadiness with them together. Uh, but has kind of a hard time if he gives a command to just one of the dogs, uh, without having the other dog, uh, you know, run after the mark, or think that it's receiving the command as well. Does that make sense? Absolutely.
0: Um, and when a dog, when two dogs are new to this concept, it's really hard. And you got to take that deep breath and be ultra patient because they aren't doing it to say screw you. They're doing it because they don't understand. Um, they think it, you're talking to them because for x amount of time, apparently four and two years old. You've been telling hey Kevin here, hey Kevin sit and now Kevin's doing all these things and you bring in Bobby and hey Bobby sit, hey Bobby here and I'm trying to do it too and it's like, wait a minute, are you talking to him are you talking to me? I'm here in the command. I, I want to work I'm uh, blah, 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 blah. and they just they are so excited trying to do right that they're doing wrong. So there's a couple things you can do. One or how I do it. I'll say their name. And then the command. So instead of just he- here, it'll be Kevin here. Uh, and, and then the other thing I will do is I'll talk very softly. So I'll almost whisper to the dog who's working so that the other dog doesn't think I'm talking to them. And I'll be a little bit firm with the dog that makes a mistake. And then be gentle with the dog that's working and it's going to take a week, a month for them to figure out the difference between commands when being spoken to and when not, um, you know, definitely stay patient. You are doing the right thing by trying this. I think it's awesome. So just stay patient, work through the kinks, make them be steady and basically it's going to be a goat rodeo for a minute where it's like one dog's getting off the play stand while you're yelling at that dog. The other dog jumps on the play stand because that dog thinks you're t- And you're just going to be wrangling dogs that are trying to do right, but they're ultimately doing wrong. Just stay patient, work them through it. Talk softly, just talk patiently. And also you can create some distance. So if you are two feet from Kevin and Bobby then the dog who's not supposed to be working can hear and see everything and is excited to join. If you're 12 feet from the working or the non-working dog, then he's going to be a little bit more laid back like, yeah, he doesn't mean me. So create a little distance, talk
1: quietly, stay patient. Do you think it, that that makes sense in terms of distance as well? Um, do you think it would be helpful if Red Storm – it took uh, a, a hunting buddy out in the field and was doing this not just by himself
0: yeah i mean but that's not always easy so like for instance sometimes when i'm got a buddy there i'll have him take one of my dogs in honor with it so he'll have a stick a healing stick with him or he'll just be in charge of that dog while i'm running the other dog mm-hmm. um So, yeah, it could be helpful for somebody to stand there with one of those dogs and have a little lead on it and pop it if it moves or get it back on place or what have you. But, you know, if he's all by himself like I was today, you got to work through it, man. And that'll wrap up tonight. So, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in to another wonderful episode. Do us a favor. Five-star review. Click subscribe. Tell a friend. And Check out LoneDuckOutfitters.com. We've got new great gear hitting the store. And our goal for 2020 is to keep adding cool designs and products for you guys. So if you love the show, if you ask questions on Instagram and we respond and you want to give us a big old thank you, grab yourself a little Lone D, baby. All right, guys. Thank you for tuning in. Have a great one hey do me a solid if you enjoy the show if you enjoy our instagram if we've helped you at all join patreon.com forward slash lone duck outfitters if you do it before september of 2023 you're going to enter to win a hunt with me and kevin and a bunch of other patreon members down in missouri we're going to smack some ducks have some fun do a seminar with our dogs and have a great time but jump into patreon.com forward slash lone duck outfitters Links in the description and join the community that helps me help you help your dog.
1: I'm <laughs>